from FM News Center. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell and Diane Duvernay, your hosts every week right here on AM1290, FM96.9, and streaming at AM1290KZSB.com. We're repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara, at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets, and at Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Happy Monday, Neil. How are you today? Well, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm glad it stopped raining. <laughs> yes, the sun shining today was was a nice change for the, in the last couple months, hasn't it? Yes, but uh, in fact, we're out of the drought. It looks like, which is fantastic. Yep, small victories, right? Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, by the way, I, by the way, I have to ask you: uh, Do we have a guest today? We do. We have Michael Amador, who's the chef, who is the chef and restaurant tour for several restaurants in town both Fieldside, which is new, as well as The Nook. So, Michael, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. So the first article today from The Wall Street Journal um, is uh, about cryptocurrencies. In fact, I have two articles that, in a way, go together. Um, it begins by saying crypto companies uh, have struggled to find banking partners, um, but uh, they are uh, disruptive firms, but they really still need traditional banking services for their payrolls, for getting money from customers and paying customers back, uh, and, and a place to hold their treasury bills. And um, there have been very few banks willing to become a uh, crypto bank. And one of them is Silvergate. And Silvergate became the leading uh, crypto bank and its uh, share price rose 1,500% between 2019 and November of 2021. And now um, they are in trouble uh, because uh, the crypto uh, crash, the FTX problem, has essentially uh, caused the bank to almost have a run. Uh, they um, are, I guess, 90% uh, of their uh, funds are attached to crypto. So when there is a run and people want to get their money out, they really have a liquidity crisis. So again, here's another example of uh, people who are in love with uh, Bitcoin and other uh, uh, cyber currencies that say we want a, a fresh start. We don't want to be tied to the financial system. They not only are tied to the financial system, but here's another example beyond FTX, where you know you put your money what you think is in a bank, and there's a question of whether you're going to get your money back. Uh, and the, the the companion article was in the New York Times the same time, and it's called Tether Use Deception to Open Account. And Tether is one of the largest companies. And um, what they were doing is they were falsifying documents, uh, creating shell companies in order to circumvent the banking system by providing uh, fake sales invoices and contracts for deposits and withdrawals. Um, and, you know, again, if you take these two articles plus the things we've talked about the last two weeks, um, you really have the Wild West going on here. And it's still... I know there are people that love crypto, but I don't understand how you could have any confidence putting your money in something that is this fraught. You know, I think it's it, it has the allure because it's new, but I think many people don't quite understand it, period, let alone understand the risks that are inherent in something this this early stage it, it's like a it's like a startup that everybody's trying to invest in mm -hmm. now keep in mind one out of seven startups fail so where is this going to fall we I, I think the jury's still out 
Um, the next article is uh, entitled Seven Red Flags That Your Tax Preparer Is a Fraud, um, uh, which, you know, I guess we don't really typically think about our tax preparer as someone not to be trusted, but here they are. Uh, the uh, preparer does not provide a tax identification number is number one. Uh, two, uh, you're not asked to prove deductions or are goaded to or are goaded into actually cheating. Uh, the third is you're asked to sign a blank or partially filled out tax return. Uh, number four, you're not given a copy of your return. Number five, the tax preparation fee is based on a percentage of your refund. And number six, your preparer promises you a large refund. Oh, and there's number seven, the preparer directs your refund to a bank account you don't control. Uh, it's really hard to believe. I guess maybe in a small town like Santa Barbara, we don't have this problem, but uh, this article in the Wall Street Journal says that there is uh, uh, some concern among uh, uh, regulators that there are accountants that are uh, not exactly uh, acting in your best interest. Okay, that article to me seems outrageous. Obviously, if you're getting a refund and it's not being directed back to you, that should mm. be a red flag, right? Mm. Right. Well, you know, everyone is sometimes trustworthy the wrong way. The next article is an interesting article. It's, you know, as in the last 20 years, 25 years, we've got uh, a proliferation of ATM machines. You know, everyone expects an ATM machine to be on every corner. Well, it turns out that um, ATM machines are getting scarcer. Um, at the peak in 2019, there were 470,000 ATM machines in the country. Um, and now they're down to 451,000. And the reason for that is there has been an increase in uh, digital uh, transactions, particularly after COVID. And um, the reason this is an interesting article is because number one, banks make money from these ATM machines um, so that if it continues to decline, there'll be another area where uh, some of the uh, ancillary revenue of banks will be impacted. But also, uh, as the article points out, there are companies and businesses that really need cash. And so to the extent that there is a reduction in ATM machines, it will hurt those people, particularly poor people uh, who don't have credit cards, who don't have debit cards, uh, and need cash uh, to be able to access cash. Well, I think what's important is as we move more and more away from cash, you have several... Um, retail outlets no longer accepting cash, especially during COVID mm. when there was a shortage of various change, whether it be actual coinage or small denomination bills. And so really people without a credit card are at a real disadvantage or at minimum a debit card because many operations mm. won't, won't actually allow you to transact business in cold hard cash like we used to. I don't, I don't know if you're aware, Diane, but I am older than you. Yeah, and, really. and I remember when I was at work, I had to go to the bank before three on Friday in order to get cash for the weekend. And, you know, people don't remember that. And uh, right now you just have to find an ATM machine that you can trip over. Uh, and uh, I, by the way, I should say, uh, and we'll talk about this when we talk about our sponsor later, American Riviera Bank is one of the banks that provide free reimbursement to any bank. So if you're an American Riviera customer, you can go to any bank and the $3 charge is waived. Uh, it's not waived, it's paid for by the bank. Another reason to be an American Riviera customer. And the last article uh, we have today is entitled, uh, Car Debt Piles Up as More Americans Owe Thousands More Than Their Vehicles Are Worth. And what's, what's happening here is that um, people bought cars in the last year and a half when the used car market was booming and took out very large loans, particularly subpar borrowers. And now the value of the car that they took out a loan is, is less than the loan. So what they're having uh, to do is when they go and buy a, a new car or a new used car, they have what's called negative equity, where part of the transaction is to build in the negative equity of the car they're trading in. So instead of getting money back or reducing the price of the car they're buying, they're actually increasing the price that they're buying. 
And as a result, you're seeing uh, loan delinquencies rising um, uh, over the last six months. And, you know, this is uh, worrisome for those lenders that have uh, specialized in not only auto loans, but in uh, uh, the uh, lower uh, rated consumer. Absolutely. Now that said, you know, relative to uh, pre-pandemic, used cars have, are still holding their value, but just not at the same level if you purchased it during the pandemic. Um, they're, they're still much higher, they're valued much higher than they would have been pre-pandemic, even say like a 2018 car. It, it's really been remarkable to watch as, as I update my clients' net worth statements and include their automobiles how little movement many of them have seen in their now used vehicles. But you can imagine going to buy a car and saying, I want to trade my car and, and the trade in value is let's say 15,000. And they say, okay, um, so uh, you now owe uh, not 15,000 less on the new car, you know, 25,000 less because it's exactly. you have negative equity. And, that, and that's really a problem for people that need a car and aren't in the position to put up more money. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Attention men under the age of 35. You know what really impresses the ladies? When a guy has a few drinks and later gets pulled over for buzz driving. That could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. There goes let's grab dinner and a movie. Oh, I know. You drive more carefully when you're buzzed. You've proven that hundreds of times. A woman admires that kind of confidence. And you've practiced how to speak if a cop does pull you over. Slowly, clearly, and politely like, good evening, officer. A woman admires that kind of foresight. And what woman doesn't find it adorable that you call it buzzed even though the law calls it drunk? You could kiss $10,000 goodbye, along with any chance of having a girlfriend. Because nothing says, I'm a catch, more than a guy who lives in his parents' basement and calls it my place. Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. If you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having Michael Amador <laughs> chef and restaurateur with us today on air. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, uh, I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Great. So tell us what got you interested in food? Um, I think like so many people, my parents, my mom in particular, um, having grown up in Europe and traveled fairly extensively, <laughs> I was fortunate enough to be exposed to a wide variety of cultures and cuisines. Uh, you know, the diversity in such a relatively small area was always so amazing from Greece to Italy, Spain and France to Germany. Uh, you know, I still remember the hole in the wall Suvalaki stand in, in the Plaka that I went to as a young kid 
you know, that crab soup that I had at that elegant Parisian hotel, the pizza off of a grill on the side of a road, road in Tuscany. You know, those were all things that were that are still stuck in my head 40 years later. And um, uh, and then my mother, who was a great cook in general, reproducing many of those dishes that we had discovered. Um, and so, you know, I think that's what was my first draw to food. Um, you know, seeing those time life books, you know, from the, all the different countries that um, uh, many in my age were exposed to, um, you know. Like the encyclopedias of all the different countries. <laughs> of, of sorts, yeah. It was the cuisine of China, the cuisine of Japan, the cuisine of Brazil, the cuisine of, and, um, and as a young kid, I remember going through those, as a teenager going through those, I had no thought of going into the restaurant business or being a cook in those days. I just appreciated it and enjoyed it. Wow, you, it sounds like you, you were very spoiled on the food front. My mom cooked all my food to the point of mush. <laughs> She's not listening, she lives too far away so I can say that on air. <laughs> you know, Diane, we're on, we're on the internet. <laughs> oh, oh shoot, you're right. <laughs> so, so when you were little, you never thought it wasn't your dream to become a chef. It was just something that you really throughout life has always been a big part of you and, and who you've been and, and what you've enjoyed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's really cool. So what then, if given that you've, you've enjoyed so many different cuisines and so many different types of food firsthand, what made you decide to open Fireside as a steak and chop house? Well, let me let me jump back real quick. It is Field Side, um, so not Fireside. But um, oh, sorry, I said that wrong. Field that's Side. Okay. That's okay. I catch myself every once in a while too. It's 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 it is an easy slip. So it's Field Side. So think of the polo field. Um, and uh, and what made me think about <laughs> opening up there? You know, I I have to say um, a good friend, David Sigmund. Um, who was the general manager of the polo club um, approached me uh, a few months back and said, Michael, you know, this community, well, you know, um, you know, Santa Barbara, you know, particularly Montecito uh, where I spent many years um, working over there. Um, you know, this community, you can help grab and bring people into this, into this facility and, and, um, here's a restaurant, do what you want with it basically. And, um, uh, and bring people here. So that's what we're, we're trying to do now. So is um, starting pretty much with a blank slate. And uh, there had been a couple of um, restaurants in there before or food operators in there before, but nobody, I don't think that really ever tried to do a restaurant in there. Um, and I think we're trying to also fill a little niche that um, Sly uh, from from Sly's and Carpinteria uh, uh, left when when he um, uh, unfortunately passed, you know, a few years back. And I think we're we're trying to fill that hole of sorts. Well, I do think you are uniquely located for that, given the fact that Sly's Carpinteria really has lost all of their higher end steak type. Um, houses, not only with Slides, but also the Palms and, and others. And I think that there is a, a real need. Well, why does, why does the Polo Grounds want a restaurant? It's a private club. Why, why do they want a public restaurant? Oh, great question, you know, great question. The club itself is a private club. The restaurant is not a private club. Uh, the restaurant is open to the public. Um, we are very much open to the public. We are welcoming people. Uh, in fact, I probably have more non-members coming than I do members right now. Now we're getting close to the uh, polo season in just a couple of months, so that'll turn around. But um, we are definitely uh, looking to fill that that niche, and and especially and I said Carpinteria, you know, and Slice, but we're we're in our own little pocket right there on Turo Canyon with you know Montecito and Carpinteria and Summerland and Padaro Lane and you know this whole little pocket right there that there's nothing in there 
So, but 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 the, but the the question though really has to do with what interest does the club have in having a public restaurant? What does it do for them? Oh, I think it's a draw like any any amenity that that any uh, club might offer, whether it be a tennis program uh, or a golf program or a you know fitness program. Uh, here's one more here's one more thing for the club to 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 offer to to their members, and now to attract maybe new potential members. Now, given that you know you're on the cusp of of the polo season starting. How do you see that affecting the restaurant? Because not only then will you have the restaurant there, you know, when open Wednesday through Sunday, but then you'll also have those matches and, and will the food change during the matches? How does, what does that look like? And I know that it's brand new, so it's okay to say you haven't quite figured it out yet, but. Yeah, great question. And that's exactly where I was gonna go is th this first year is gonna be a lot of figuring out. Um, you know, these first couple of months, we just opened up three months ago. It's a lot of figuring out, you know, it's a lot of um, which direction are we going to go with this? And um, we already know for for one thing, it's and it is agreement with the Polo Club that we do um, uh, focus on Polo service on Sundays and Fridays, but otherwise than that, uh, we'll be open uh, for regular business um, on the other days. Um, great. great. Um, now, I, Richard, I think we have a caller. Would you mind bringing him or her online? Hi, Jane. Thanks for calling in. Hi. Hmm. How are you? Can you hear me? We're good. We can hear you. Do you have a question? Yes, I do. I have actually a couple of good questions for Michael. One of them is, how do you organize and plan and prioritize your day with two restaurants. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> That's a lot uh, of work. It, it always starts with the night before, but um, it was something that I learned from um, an, another chef, uh, 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 Emerald, who used to have a, a, a four-page little sheet that he folded in half, in quarters, I should say, and he wrote on each of those quarters what he had to do in each of his four restaurants. And of course, his his empire grew much bigger than that, but it was what he had to do in, and that's kind of what I do still to this day, is like, I, I write out what I need to do on at each of the restaurants, <clears throat> and um, and that's that's how, kind of how I keep things in, and I do that every single day. How many hours do you work in a day or a week? How many hours do I sleep? About four. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then I'm working. Work. <laughs> no, it's a no. Uh, I work pretty much every day. Uh, pretty much every day from about eight to eight. Wow! Wow! No, that's amazing. I take that back. I, I put in my orders at ten thirty. So, so eight to ten thirty. And what are your roles as a restaurant owner? What do you do? What are your roles? Oh, uh, do we have enough time for this or should we? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, my roles, um, I go and I make sure that both the rest, uh, you know, I start with one restaurant, make sure that they're all set up and ready for the day. Um, uh, my one restaurant, The Nook, um, uh, down in the funk zone, which I just recently bought from a longtime chef, um, Norbert Schultz, who I love, and he, he set up, he set me up for success, really. And he created this great little restaurant down there next to Llama Dog and Topa Topa and Fox Wine Company. And we are um, right in the middle of those. I go in there, set up, set up, and make sure they're all good for the day. And then I uh, head on over to the other place, um, make sure they're all set up for the day, and to the polo. Um, spend most of my day there, but then jump back as needed to the others. So, um, and then the early mornings and later evenings are kind of uh, spent for um, office work, basically. Yeah, no, yeah, thank you, caller. You're you're listening to Money Talk on AM twelve ninety and FM ninety six point nine, and we'll be right back.
American Riviera Bank is actually really good offering the loan to small businesses. The customer service that Renee gave, it was amazing. She actually gave us step by step. She helped me with every single step on the paperwork. She was great. We found a great bank and now we have a great coffee shop. You can bank on American Riviera. We do. American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. The Friendship Center offers an adult daycare program that provides social contact, engaging activities, and nourishing meals for our dependent senior citizens. Here's Heidi Holly. It gives me such pleasure to see the activities and the seniors engaged with their peers. And I think that's what's really important about our program is that socialization. Friendship Center offers an adult day program Monday through Friday for our maturing adults. We are the alternative to being placed in a long-term care facility. The majority of our people have some memory challenges like Alzheimer's and dementia and other health conditions. Conditions. We're located in Montecito across the street from beautiful All Saints Episcopal Church. Our phone number is 805-969-0859 or go on to our website at friendshipcentersb.org. We are a happy place. March is both National Nutrition Month and National Frozen Food Month. The goal of the first is to promote healthy meals. And one of the ways this is possible is because of frozen food, first commercially available in 1925. In America today, some 700 packaged frozen food manufacturers produce over $32 billion worth of heat and eat products. Profile America is a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So during the break, we were talking about all these articles um, talking about how consumer spending is is waning in some regard in consumer discretionary spending, however, not in the restaurant business. Restaurants are still a driving force behind people wanting to spend their money there. Are you seeing that? And if so, um, what type of um, obstacles is that still creating for you? Um. I am, if I get your question right, I, I am seeing uh, people still going out strongly. Um, consumer uh, purchasing might be a little bit different. It kind of almost reminds me of the crash, but um, like in what, 07, 08, um, when people are not purchasing as, say, high-end bottles of wine and such, but they are, um, but they're still going out a lot and maybe even more than they were it's you know now it's it's for uh convenience maybe as much as anything um, now are you having a hard time with um staffing you know much regardless of the industry most people are still complaining of being able to hire and how is that especially opening a new restaurant without a track record yet for people that it that has been um probably the biggest question i've been asked over the last probably two to three years. And it was uh, unfortunately one of the reasons we did have to um, close down our recent restaurant on court um, because it was so hard to staff in the kitchen and kitchen staffing remains, and I'm talking cooks and such like that, um, remains difficult. Front of the house, the the servers and, and bartenders and such, uh, those, those have come back pretty strongly. In fact, I just, made a post for a position and I was surprised at how many positions, I mean, how many applicants I got, but the cooks, I, I feel like, um, everybody asks why do, do we want to know why, or do we want to spend the time? Well, why? I think it's probably due to immigration and the lack thereof immigration. 
I, I, I feel it's been a job swap myself. Um, those people are still in town. They're just not, they're just not working in the kitchens anymore. I, I know at least two cooks, one's now working in um, uh, painting uh, and the other one is doing other construction. I think a lot of them during COVID went into construction and they just never came back. Um, I quite honestly, as a cook, if I could do the Monday through Friday thing, have off my weekends, I know I have off my weekends, not coming home smelling like meat and fish grilled, um, you know, work nine to five instead of, uh, you know, until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Um, I'd, that's a nice swap for the same amount of money or maybe even more with construction. Right, lifestyle. So I think we have another caller. Um, Elaine, are you there? Yes, hi. Hi, Elaine. Can you Do you hear have me? a question? Hi, Elaine. Yeah, hi, Michael. I'm a fan of your uncorked restaurant, and I'm sorry that it went out of business, but I'm looking forward to checking you out at Fieldside. So I you. wanted to ask. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just said we look forward to having you join us. Oh, thank you. I you I didn't realize that you had lived all over the world. That's quite fascinating. What is your major most major accomplishment so far since you've been running restaurants? Oh, um, biggest accomplishment. I always think that the, the the next restaurant is my next biggest accomplishment because you have such grandiose plans for it. Um, so I, I would think that might be, um, of course, Go, looking back, um, you know, I think working at certain locations like uh, at San Ysidro Ranch, um, where I was at for 10 years. Uh -huh. I remember that. That is a, that's a, just a great feather in the cap that just really um, elevates you and, and just makes you remember where you want to put your next restaurant at. This is where I kind of want to, uh, uh, if not, you don't want to copy, but you definitely want to um, keep standards, the, the, uh, a very high end of standards, regardless, even if you're in a casual place like our, our place at the Nook, you know, it's keeping those standards strong. Yeah. And so well, you have been in the community for a long time and I've enjoyed your food. So I think this is a great, uh, massive, wow, this is a big win for you. Congratulations. Very, we're really excited. Okay. Well, well thank you for taking you my call. We look thank forward to seeing you at Fireside or Fieldside. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, have a nice day. Okay. Maybe maybe we're gonna change. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe so it much. rolls off the tongue better. <laughs> well, that's because we keep joking about Fireside. Now it's Fieldside, which makes a whole lot more sense at the polo grounds. So with with COVID, um, it, uh, many restaurants began doing takeout. And yeah. uh, even some really fine restaurants figured out how to do it. So you actually take it home and it's well laid out and it's not cold. Uh, are you going to do high-end takeout? Not at Fieldside, no. Well, no, we will. But, uh, you know, I, I think the demand for takeout has just gone down drastically. Um, you know, I, I, went, I think we were extremely successful at Uncorked. Uh, during the pandemic of selling out almost every single night of just to go, to go, to go. Um, the, uh, but we, but we saw that demand go down drastically and, and we're just not seeing that, that, um, that as much anymore. Although you might actually see an uptick of at field side of cocktails to go, which has been kind of nice that it's stayed through the pandemic given the club nature and and with all the condos right there at the polo grounds yes on property yeah we're happy to do that um yeah the cocktails to go thing um that's a tricky one still that <laughs> i don't what, think i don't think about, the wants to talk about too much um yeah what about catering Definitely, 100%. We are definitely looking to uh, do catering. I love doing catering. I love um, coming and um, being a part of people's special special events, um, weddings or whatever it might be um, at their houses or offsite, wherever they might choose. But yeah, 
So I haven't been to the restaurant. Is there outdoor space or is it all indoors? We do. We have um, we have about 50 or 60 seats inside uh, in a nice, warm, comfy, kind of old school feel. Uh, and then we have a beautiful patio looking out over, the, I don't know how many, 20, 30 acres of grass. It uh, It's almost reminiscent of looking out over the ocean. It's so calming. It's, it's this huge grass field. Um, so yeah. it's very, it's very, it's very conducive for a wedding, um, which is, um, uh, you know, a really big business for our hotels here. And this would probably be able to be more economical. We're always looking for events. Definitely. So now let's talk about events for a moment. Can any, can the outside public have events at Fieldside as well, given that it is a, a club type environment? Mm -hmm we're always we're always looking to talk to people about what they would like to do we're limited with with our our location um we have certain conditions you know county conditions and such like that what we can do and not um and and kind of like the wine country you know like the like san inez uh those ones that are allowed to have it are only allowed to have so many and this and that so we're under some of those same restrictions here unfortunately yeah. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. This is the news. This morning, we are saluting the 2.2 million women who have joined in the war effort. They now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. The prestigious Harvard Medical School is breaking ground today, opening its doors to new female applicants. Today, little girls all over the world look to the sky, where the first woman is now in space. Military stereotypes are challenged today with the trailblazing promotion of a U.S. female officer to four-star general. It was just announced that the vast majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. And we're talking with Michael Amador, who is, and we're discussing his new restaurant, Fieldside, at the Santa Barbara Polo Grounds. So before the break, we were talking about events, and that's something that um, your restaurant is offering at the Polo Ground as event space. Why should somebody use the, the your restaurant, Fieldside, as opposed to another location? Well, um Parking, parking is the is probably one of the biggest things. I mean, there is uh, unlimited parking, and and we have unlimited space for events. Um, you know, we've had a uh, country western concert um, uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and uh, had about five thousand people there. 
Um, we have the car show there um, annually with thousands of people. So we're set up for big events and, and the kitchen, um, uh, we are getting ready for bigger and bigger events as well. So yeah, I think that's, that's one of the best reasons. Like we can hold some of the biggest venue events in Santa Barbara. So, so from a business standpoint, one of the biggest expenses of opening a restaurant is the kitchen. Uh, was the kitchen there? It was. It, it, the kitchen was all set and ready. I'll be honest. It, it was designed a while ago in a very old building. Um, and so it is, um, you know, any good chef would come in there and go, oh, my, this is this is a challenge. But, you know, you do what you're you, you're, you do what you're given with and um, you work with what you're given with. And that's so. Um, yeah, but a, a full kitchen um, and a full staff, I inherited the staff from the previous uh, owners of the business, uh, just brought them on and kept them on. And then it was just training them to the standards that I wanted to uh, have. So let's talk about a minute because the full name of the restaurant is Fieldside Coastal Steakhouse. And so we have talked a lot about the fact that it's a steakhouse, but what does the coastal qualifier mean? Um, so we knew we wanted to be heavy on steaks and chops and that stuff, uh, lamb, pork and such. Um, but we're here on the coast and, and how could you not um, uh, take advantage of all the local, the local seafood that we have? um from uh, the well all the different fish and 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 shellfish and and such so we wanted to make sure that we were we were incorporating all that and um uh, into our into our menu and and having a, a nice diverse menu so while we call ourselves a coastal steakhouse being you know a steakhouse on the coast with an emphasis on fish but we also wanted to have those things that um that non-steak eaters, non-beef eaters, non, non uh, would be comfortable with also. So we do have some vegan and vegetarian dishes as well. Well, I have to say, as I was on your website and I was perusing your menu, um, the seafood tower is what really made me want to come visit, which I have not yet, but I plan to. You know, the seafood tower looks like it rivals any of the major metropolitan, you know, steakhouse, Mastro's, et cetera, you name it. So given that you know we're talking about this what would be the price point where would you where would you put yourselves in terms of cost i think we're kind of right there in the middle um uh right in a nice moderate range um with entree prices ranging from about 22 to uh 45 to 60 uh 60 for some of our top end steak dishes um you know we have a beautiful 24 ounce ribeye um, for about $65. Um, I won't put any other restaurants <laughs> names out there to compare against, but it's the similar quality where um, we always get raves on the quality of our, of, our, of the meat that we are putting out. But um, yeah, so anyways, the, uh, yeah, right in that mid thirties range. So given that you've you've worked for a decade at one of the highest end restaurants in Montecito, what would you say was your biggest takeaway that you're that you would want to take with you after you left there and implement at Fieldside Coastal Steakhouse? Oh, it's definitely service. What hundred um, percent? I found that you can often get away with just. And I'm not saying that we do, but even at the most moderately priced or even lesser in prices place, you, you can have moderate food and people will love it if you have great service. Um, we like to think that we have great food and great service and, and hope to be one of the top places in town in the next year. But service, it's all about service and making people comfortable and happy. And when you come into, when you come in in the, particularly in the evening and you walk into that place that just feels comfortable and warm and our staff is greeting you warmly and you're sitting down there and it's hard not to feel relaxed and, and, and um, taken care of. I, I had heard that uh, when the 
big fire occurred and the San Ysidro Ranch closed, uh, you decided to pay the waiter staff even though they weren't working. Is that true? And is that created loyalty that was really important? Well, long, long after I had left. So, uh, but I think I actually, I don't want to answer that question because uh, unfortunately, I don't know the specifics of that. I was already gone by that time. Because, you know, in, in, in the restaurant that I'm involved with in New York, we did that. We paid uh, to have people uh, remain without having to work. And it created, you know, some really goodwill. And one of the problems, I think, with waiter staff is they, they sometimes feel unloved, uh, not by necessarily the customers, but the, the owners. Uh, so I guess the environment needs to be really conducive to making them feel that they're part of the team. Oh, definitely. You definitely have to take care of your staff, uh, especially in this day and age. Well, I think at all in all days and age, but uh, particularly right now, um, in the kitchens, they want to know that they're loved and and so uh, and they are loved. Um, and so we we take care of them. You know, we had to close down because of the rains uh, this a few a few weeks back couple of months from the back now, the big rains, uh, we had to close down and we took care of, took care of staff. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm a big Netflix, Amazon watcher. And a lot of the shows I have seen that are detective shows is where the chef kills somebody or someone kills the chef because the environment's so crazy. Now, how true, <laughs> how true is that? Is it dangerous to work in a, in a, in a kitchen? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen one crazy moment, <laughs> one crazy episode, not towards me, the owner or chef, but I've seen some craziness in the kitchen. Um, and some of the stories you might have read in Anthony Bourdain's books, uh, yeah. extremely true. Maybe not as much anymore. Things have toned down a little bit, but only slightly. Yeah, it can get, I guess it can get really tense in there. I think. Oh, yeah. I think. Yes. I, I. I think when you're when you're in a uh, close confines in a hot, sweaty, people are you know there. There's blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, truly, um, I. I. I think Tim, things are going to happen. You know, and uh, it is. It can be um, just like as dramatic and exciting as portrayed on TV. You know. Um, uh, oh, the stories. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. And believe it or not, we're coming back with our final segment. American Riviera Bank is actually really good offering the loan to small businesses. The customer service that they gave, it was amazing. She actually gave us step by step. She helped me with every single step on the paperwork. She was great. We found a great bank, and now we have a great coffee shop. You can bank on American Riviera. We do. American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 2458222. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. 
This is the place that talks about Santa Barbara. Mike in the morning. Skyview. Community Matters. Radio Real Estate. Money Talk. The Andy Caldwell Show. Teen Sports Radio. Community Alert. Mortgage Matters. Welcome to the Voices. 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 Voices of Santa Barbara. The CEO Report. CSUCI presents About Education. The Farm to Table Hour. Around the World. The Jeremiah Show. The Art and Antiques Radio Show. Garden Gossip. Cork and Fork Radio Show. Tell me your story. It's radio with TV's Tim Stack. KZSB. The Santa Barbara News Press Radio Station. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, Michael, share with us the economics on having Fieldside opened Wednesday through Sunday. So, normally, you have restaurants that take one day. This is two days. How does that play out in the in the economic side of the or the money side of the business? Yeah. Well, I first wanted to give all my staff, uh, you know, it's multi-tiered, I guess, um, or multifaceted. You know, there's um, I wanted to give everybody off two days a week. And Mondays and Tuesdays, right after you know the polo season, which uh, or which is uh, all weekend long, Monday Tuesday works out the best. Um, the um, also Mondays and Tuesdays tend to be the lowest revenue days in general for most restaurants, uh, which is why you see so many restaurants doing promotions of different sorts to get people in. Um, and so, and and then just the lack of kitchen staff still. Yeah, while I inherited a staff, there is still a lack of staff. You know, I still could use a, one more cook for that extra, you know, uh, fill-in space. So um, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, and, and so do you, do you find that it cuts into the bottom line or do you think that those are the days that were typically slow anyways, so it doesn't really affect the bottom yeah, line? Yeah, no, if, if anything, yeah. I, I, I think um, as a restaurateur, you, you're constantly looking at what can we do to, to save money. And right now, as we're in a building stage, um, that being open would have been a loss every day uh, for those Monday, Tuesday, and even Wednesday is, is a loss. We're open that day, but, um, you want to create some sort of, you know, I don't want to just go, okay, we're going to be open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, we're a full service restaurant. We ought to be open at least five days a week. So, um, now if, if people are looking to, um, come to dinner and come visit you at Fieldside, do you take reservations? And if so, how far ahead in advance do you take them? We, we do. Uh, we highly recommend people um, making reservations on opentable.com. Um, that way they can also see our availability. Um, we do often have events that kind of buy us out for the, for the evening. And so if they're not able to make the reservation, we probably have an event that day. Um, also, we are very small. We, particularly right now inside, where everybody wants to sit, we only have about 10, 12 tables. So, um, and people all want to come about 6.30. So we only really have one seating. So- Neil, it's perfect for you, the early bird special. Uh, of sorts, so, yeah. So, so Michael Amador, uh, chef and owner of new Fieldside restaurant at the Polo Grounds, best of luck. We recommend everyone go there. We're all going to try it. So thank you for being our guest today. Thank you for opening a new great restaurant. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you all next week. Great to be here.